as its people. And, uh, and, and you know what, life is difficult sometimes, life has its challenges. And so uh, I just think it's really important to, to honour those that are doing all that they can to try and help people uh, break through in God and, uh, and live the sort of life that God's called them to live. So I want to honour your pastors today, Pastor Rob and Pauline, who's out with the kids. So you guys are awesome. We appreciate the friendship that you give Sharon and I, uh, and also, you know, uh, working alongside each other. Uh, as you know, Pastor Rob's also a part of our state executive, and uh, he's a huge blessing to our state and to me personally. He's uh, one of the first ones to pick up the phone or drop an email and say, Josh, is there anything I can do? How can we help? Uh, is generous with his time, generous with resource, and, uh, and he can only do that off the back of a church that is generous and a church that is supportive and a church that uh, releases and empowers him to contribute beyond uh, just the local area here. So thank you, church, for being a part of the bigger picture and releasing your pastor uh, to be a part of what God's doing around our state. And there are great things happening, and uh, you're very kind with what you've said about uh, Hope Church, but we do have a real passion for our community. We have a real passion to help people where they're at, and, uh, and, and so we do that in as many ways possible. And we've got some great initiatives coming up, even in the life of our church, some new things that we're launching, and, uh, and we're excited about that. But also, that carries over for me into our state, and I'm passionate to see the church in our state really impact their local communities and so tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock I'm meeting with the Premier and uh, that is exactly why I'm meeting with him to talk about the ACC churches in South Australia and just reminding him and his government that the ACC church in South Australia does not exist for itself. Uh, we don't exist to be people who hide out in rooms on Sundays but we are here to infiltrate our communities with a message of hope, of truth, of love, of grace and so uh, I'll be, pray for me at two o'clock tomorrow because I don't really know what I'm going to say, I'm just going to go there and I'm a relational type and I'm just, I've met him months before and uh, he said, Josh, let's have coffee, that was before he was in power but now that he's in power, I said, let's have that coffee and, um, but really pray for me because I'm believing, you know, that God's going to open some doors, it may not happen straight away but I believe tomorrow is strategic and that God's going to do something to open up doors across our state for the church to be a part of the answer. We know that God's church is the answer, amen? Yeah? Government don't know that, and so we don't want to go in and arrogantly tell them, hey, you don't have the answers we do, but we do want to go in and say we're here to be a part of the answer, and, uh, and how can we serve our state better? So that's a great opportunity, and we look forward to that. Uh, just also want to give a shout-out to Nathan for travelling over with me. Um, he's a bit jet-lagged from the 30-minute ride over, but um, <laughs> he's never been on a propeller plane before, and, uh, but we survived it. We did it. All right, we're going to get a T-shirt, I survived the propeller plane, and uh, it's awesome, but... Uh, uh, Pastor Rob's undersold him a little bit. Um, yes, he, you know, sometimes we might go, oh, he's a drummer and he can keep a beat. Um, but you know what? He's more than a drummer. Um, you know, he, he's got an incredible call of God upon his life. Uh, he was the head prefect in his school, school that all my kids went to and whatnot. And uh, our church has been lucky. It just seems over the last three years, the head prefect has come from our school, which, uh, from our church, which is awesome. Nathan was head prefect and he was a year into medical science studies. He was going down the path of medicine and God has just got a hold of his heart. He feels the call of God to ministry, to evangelism. He just wants to see people saved. He's, he, God's broken his heart for the lost and he's like, people are going 
on a hell and that's a reality and we've got to do something about it. And so God's really stirred him up and raised him up. He's doing an internship at our church right now. So he felt the call to Bible college. So he's doing that and he's uh, interning in the life of our church and, uh, and a part of our youth ministry and a part of our youth team. And there's a great call of God upon his life. And uh, tonight, all right, you, he's going to come out from behind the drum kit. And I've asked him before I preach, he's going to give you five minutes of fire. You don't want to miss it. You do not want to miss it. I'm telling you, he preaches in our, he preaches in our Sunday night church. He, he emcees the meeting. He is a weapon. And uh, he's, got, he's got the touch. He's got a passion and a fire upon him. And so tonight, you don't want to miss that five minutes. You know, we might just do that, and then we might just worship, and then I don't need to preach. And so, win-win. No, no I love preaching. So uh, it's fantastic. So, but again, thanks for traveling with me, Nathan. Love you, mate. You're an incredible, incredible young man. And uh, great things. Keep an eye out for Nathan Kaladari. Yeah. Write that one down. Okay. You happy to be in church this morning? You look happy. All right. Why don't we get to the Word? Why don't we get to the Word? I've got a bit of scripture to go through today, so it's, but uh, I'm not going to labor too much, but I've got a fair bit that I'm going to jump to throughout what I want to share, and I really uh, feel that God's got a word for us today. 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 12, and in verse 14. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And verse 14 says, The body is not made up of one part, but it's made up of many. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27 goes on to say, you are the body of Christ. Who is? Yeah, good one. You are the body of Christ. And each one, everybody say each one. Of you is a part of it. Say part of it. We jump over to Ephesians 4.16. It says, we will grow to become in every respect. In other words, in every way. Every shape, every form, every look, in, in, not, not in some ways, but in every way, in every respect, we will become what? The mature body of him. We will grow up. The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, everybody say whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's a lot of words, but say every supporting ligament. Well done. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part does its work. You're doing well. I was on a Queensland holiday uh, some years back and uh, probably escaping the, the, the cold of, of the Adelaide winter. And I remember we were going on this holiday and uh, from memory we hadn't holidayed a lot in that season we'd been in. And so we were super excited about going to the Gold Coast. Uh, we've got family there, so we were going to stay on the Gold Coast for a couple of days, catch up with family. Then we were going up to the Sunshine Coast and we were going to a place called, that's at Maruchidor, and there's a resort there called Twin Waters Resort. Now at this resort, it is, there's this man-made lake and on there you can sail a catamaran and, and it's fine because you can't get lost because it's just this big lake and you can't end up out at sea, so it's perfect. They have, you know, canoes and windsurfers and inflatable things that you can jump on and jump off and just 
like a man-made beach. Like it's just the most incredible place. We were so excited. We booked our accommodation a year out and we had paid the holiday off and we, we went to visit family first, which was awesome, but we were so excited for part two of the holiday. So much so that while we're on the Gold Coast, I splurged. I went to JB Hi-Fi and I bought my first ever proper camera, you know, like one that actually has a, a lens and stuff, like not just the, you know, throwaway cameras. And I was so excited because it was this holiday we'd been so looking forward to and we were tired and we just, here it was, Queensland holiday. And I remember finally getting to our location and, and we'd hired a two-bedroom apartment and so the kids were in one room and Sharon and I in the other and so we had designed it that we, you know, we would cook a lot of our own food and just sit back and relax. So we get to the resort, we get all our clothes and we think, well, we need to go now and do some food shopping. So we caught a taxi down to the supermarket and we got all the food that we needed for 10 days in this resort, so pumped. And uh, we buy all these groceries and we're loaded up. We're loaded up with groceries because we didn't want to leave that resort. We're like, we shop once and that's it. And so we get back to the, we get back to the accommodation and uh, Sharon and I, like, we are, we're happy, right? We're happy. We're on holidays. We're at this resort. We've been planning for this for ages. And what happens is we're in the kitchen and we're just putting, you know, things away and we're just, you know, putting stuff in the cupboards. And Sharon was more excited than I was. And she wasn't just putting stuff away, but she was dancing while she was putting stuff away. And uh, because she was, you know, so excited and she's like moving around, I grab some things and I go to put them away. And Sharon's in my way because she's dancing around. And so I turn and my back goes. But when I say my back goes, it wasn't like, oh, that hurt. My, my, my back goes. Who can relate to the back departing on them? Lower disc. Like, I am instantly in pain like you have no idea. Long story short, I find a physio or someone on the Sunshine Coast. I go and see them. They treat it. I'm thinking this is going to be good. I spent 10 days on my back. I couldn't go out and do all the things in the water with the kids. The kids were disappointed. Zach just wanted me to go swim with him. He was, I could sort of get myself in the water just and sit there, but I couldn't do any water sports. Uh, I couldn't walk the distance because it was a bit of a distance from our unit to the, um, to the water. And so they had these people on golf carts. I used to have to ring for the golf cart. And they would come and pick me up and because I literally, to walk was painful. I was gone. And uh, for 10 days on this holiday, my back totally rendered me, I'm not going to say useless because I wasn't, but it rendered me uh, limited, limited. Here's the thing, my legs were fine, they worked, my arms were fine, no problem there, my hands were fine, I still could use the remote control, thank Jesus, and uh, my mouth was fine, I could still complain (laughs) how bad my life is and what did I do to deserve this and Sharon, why were you dancing around the kitchen? Why didn't you just put things away in an orderly fashion? Because you had danced, I blamed Sharon. If you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. And my ears were fine because then I just got a tongue lashing back and put in my place. And so my ears were working. My, everything was working. But there was one part of my body that shut me down. There was one part of my body, although everything else worked, there was one part of the body that wasn't in action. There was one part of the body that wasn't working, that wasn't playing its part. And it totally rendered me ineffective. You know, I find these scriptures that we've just read fascinating. And I find them fascinating because of the sentence grammar that is used as we go through them. And I think it's so powerful to build meaning and context. It says there that just as a body, right? You think of a body, it speaks to us about that's an individual thing because we all have a body. Raise your hand today if you have a body. 
Raise your hand if your body, you think your body's going all right. All right, we'll leave it there. And um, so we get a picture of something that is individual and personal. But then it says, well, it says just as one body. And then there's a little comma, right? There's a little comma and it says, just as a body, though one. Just this little insert. Hey, just as, the, just as a body. So it, so it speaks to us of something individual and personal. But right then when we think, okay, this is all about me, there's this little comma that comes in and just reminds us that it's actually not about me. It says, although the, just as a body, though one, just a little reminder that, hey, you are a body, but you're, you're not on your own. You're not isolated. You're one. That speaks to us about being connected. That speaks to us of something that's not personal, but now interpersonal. Are you with me? I find this intriguing. And then it says, has many parts, right? So though one, the body has many parts, but all its many parts form what? Two bodies. No, no, no. How many? One body. So it is with Christ. See, in here, we get two little commas and two little add-ons, just as a body, though one. And then it says, has many parts, all its parts form one body. Hang on, side claim, so it is with Christ, right? What it's doing is it's showing us how God's family works. That's what it's doing. He's saying, you know what, all of this, yeah, you have a body, but you know what? You may have a body, but we're, we're one. A body has many, but we're one, right? Many parts, one body. So it is with Christ. See, it's showing us how God's family works. It's showing us a relational model. It's showing us a connected family model. It's showing us that, you know, with Christ, there may be many parts, but there's one body. That's what it's telling us. And I just think the sentence makeup, you might look at that and go, Josh, big deal. I'm simple. And so things like that really impact me. But I find the sentence grammar there interesting to show me that, you know what, there's a way that we may think it all works, and I'm here on my own, and I'm an individual, and I am doing my thing. But the reality is, God says, and Christ says, that's not how it is with me. You may have your individual body, but you are connected. This is an interpersonal thing. And with Christ, it is a relational, connected family that he is showing us. And it says to us, later on, we see the other scripture, from him, the whole body, joined and held together. What? By every supporting ligament. What does that show us? It shows us that this is not just a surface connection. You, you can look at me today and you go, yes, Josh's head is attached to his neck. Yes, it is. Right? That's easy. You can see that from the surface. But you know what? There's a whole lot of connection going on in my body that ligaments and fibers and bones that are connected. You can't see them, but beneath the surface at a deeper level, there is a whole lot of connection going on in my body that causes me to be able to function the way my body was designed to function, so it is with Christ. That we have a surface level of connection that we may see. Oh yeah, well I'm at church, so I'm connected. I'm going to address that in a moment. I turned up to church this morning, Josh. I'm a part of the family. See, that is the surface level of connection. But God has called us to a deeper level of connection, a deeper level of family, a deeper level of the body being connected and becoming a part of God's church. And so it says here that every ligament, every supporting ligament, you see what that says is every part has a role to play. My back went out, it had a part to play, it impacted on everything. 
I couldn't see it. Come on. I couldn't see it. No one could walk up and go, Josh, show me your back. Ah, yes, there's the problem there. There was nothing visible, but there was something deeper in the connection of my back that was out of whack. And as a result, it affected, listen, the whole body. The whole body. The whole body. Stay with me today. You know where I'm going, don't you? Stay with me. And it says to us, right? After that, it says, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work. Do you know this? That our connectedness as the body of Christ, our togetherness as the body of the Christ, as the body of Christ is key to growth and maturity. For the person next to you to grow and mature in Christ is determined by the level of connectedness and togetherness that we are committed to. It says that now you are the body of Christ and it says to us that each one of you is a part of it. I want to ask this question and if you're a message taker, this is the title today. The question is this and the title of the message is this. How do I play my part? How do I play my part? You see, playing our part is crucial. It's crucial for the church to realize and fulfill its purpose. It's crucial in helping others to realize their destiny in God and their purpose. You see, I recognize that me fulfilling my purpose in God and and playing my part is key to a guy like Nathan, a young guy who came into our church at eight, nine years of age, ten, ten years of age, comes to church with his family and now at how old? Nineteen, nine years later, you see a call of God on his life. You see something. You see an environment that he's in that is allowing him to, to, to run with his dreams. I've got to play my part for him to be able to realize his. Oh, wow, that's just so good what Nathan's doing. Awesome. Oh, isn't God great? Oh, to God be the glory. Yes, to God be the glory. But you know what? It's taken a whole lot of people, including my youth. I can't take credit. My youth pastor played his part, and now I have a guy coming through who has an opportunity to play his part. Why? Because as we all play our part, it enables those around us to play theirs. It enables the others around us to to, to grow into who God's called them to be. Don't just think that growth and maturity in Christ is, is a personal thing. It's interpersonal. We help each other to grow and mature and play our part. And so playing our part is crucial. It's crucial to getting things done. It's how God has set it up. It's you and I co-laboring, it says in Scripture, that we co-labor with Christ. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that God's sitting back like the fairy godmother with a wand. Oh, God, would you do this now? Oh, God, would you? God is not our three wishes. He says, I want to co-labor with you. In other words, there is a part I need you to play for you to come to maturity, for you to come into growth, for you to realize your destiny, for you to realize your purpose, for you to realize that there are principles, promises, for you to realize there are things that I want to release through your life. You need to understand it's not from sitting back and waiting for me to wave my wand, but it's going to come as you play your part, I play my part. We co-labor together and God says, now we can do something. That's so powerful between God and me. When I play my part with him and he says, Josh, you co-labor with me and you watch what I could do. It's powerful between me and God. Imagine how powerful it is when you have a whole body of Christ all playing their part, co-laboring with Christ. Then what's possible? Then what's possible? If so much can happen through a personal relationship, what can happen as we all come together in that and say, well, we're all going to play our part and we're all going to co-labor with Christ, then what? 
You see, playing our part is crucial to how God wants to get things done. I really believe that playing our part is also crucial to the unity and the harmony that God wants us to have. You think about an orchestra. The key to an orchestra sounding awesome is what? Every single instrument plays its part. Imagine if half the orchestra just decided, you know what? I've had a gut full of this. I've been coming to this orchestra forever. No one ever recognizes me. No one ever stops the orchestra and says, oh, today, we just want to honor the oboe. (laughs) The oboe has been above and beyond. Everybody, honor the oboe. So we chase recognition and that the orchestra knows that the key to the harmony, the key to the incredible sound is everyone playing their part together in unison, in unity. It's not about one part. If the orchestra was one part, none of you would listen to it. You wouldn't because it wouldn't sound any good. Why does it sound so amazing? And if young people, if you haven't listened to any orchestral music, I encourage you to do it. It's not just for people of another generation. I'm telling you, there is something powerful about a coming together and a sound that an orchestra can make when all of those individual, individual, personal instruments, gifts and talents come together in unison, together, connected. There is a unified sound that is beautiful. Who here loves orchestral music, classical music? It's beautiful, isn't it? The reason it's beautiful is, I'm telling you now, it's because of the connectedness and the unity and the oneness. So imagine the church. The church has a sound. One heart church, it has a sound. And I'm not talking about the sound we heard before during praise and worship. That's great. But that's a sound we're giving to God. Well, I don't like the music here. Well, guess what? It's not for you. It's for God. (laughs) I'm flying home tomorrow. (laughs) But it's true. And and this is something I've learned in church. And I'm 44 and I grew up in church. As long as church has been around, you're going to have that. All right? So you're going to have that. You're going to have individual taste. I get that. But ultimately, let's just... You might be in a church and you might see it go in a direction and you might see the young... Just remember who it's all for. So it might not in that moment go, well, I would really like it to be... You know, I get that, I really do. But my only answer to that is not to beat the the worship pastor on the head every week and go, why do you sing that? The answer is just to go, okay, God, how can I play my part in this and just keep giving my worship to you? But that's not the sound I'm talking about. There is a sound that this church makes that right now, beyond the four walls of this building, there is a sound that emanates to this community. I wonder what the sound is. Is it in tune? Does it sound like a teenager whose voice is cracking? (laughs) I don't know the answer to that question this morning, but this is what I do know. If this church... And churches like this are going to have a sound 
that is sweet and beautiful and majestic and powerful to its community. It can only happen through the power of unison and connectedness. It can only happen through that. Psalm 133 tells us, Behold how good and pleasant, pleasant. I don't know about you, but I don't want the sound of Hope Church to be unpleasant to my community. I don't want people to go, oh yeah, Hope Church. Yeah, I don't know what they do in there, but I tell you, they, they don't do anything in our community. I, I don't know what they do in there, and they might be having a good time, but you know, uh, the, I've run into a few people from that place, and, and they're really rude, and, and, and they've got no patience. You know, what is the sound? It is a good and pleasant, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, what? Dwell in unity talks about it being like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard, onto the beard of Aaron, running down, listen to the collar or the hem of his robes. Do you need to understand that? See, we, we see collar and we think this. That word collar literally translates as hem. And so what it's talking about is the anointing, right? Because they used to anoint kings and anoint them with oil. And so it talks about the oil is an anointing oil that would be poured on the head. So what it means is it starts at the head and it runs down. So Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. It starts with him. But the idea of that anointing oil is that it would flow down right to the hem. What does that mean? Right to the outermost part of the garment. It doesn't stop at the pastors. Come on. The oil and the anointing is not for the pastors or for the leaders or for a select group. The anointing of unity is to flow right to the very outer edge of the garment. Sort of brings some context too, doesn't it? To the the woman caught in the issue of blood who clambers through a crowd and it says that all she can manage to do is touch the what? The hem of Jesus' garment and she's instantly healed. Why? Because the oil flowed right to the outer edge. Imagine through our unity if the anointing oil of heaven on this church didn't just stop with its leaders, but it flowed right through to every single connected, unified person in this church. So you know what? People don't need to come to church. I encourage them to come to church, but they don't need to be in this building to experience a miracle. They don't need to be here to experience God's goodness. You know, we're seeing people saved in our church at the moment in the cafe afterwards and during the week. That is really depressing for a pastor because I preached really good. Why don't you get saved in the meeting? But they'll go into the cafe afterwards and they'll have a coffee and in conversation, people are being led to Jesus in the cafe. You see, what is that? That is the oil flowing right out to the outer, outer, outer edge of the garment. And the picture of God's church is a unified, gathered, connected church where you know what? No matter who you are today, no matter where you're at, no matter your education, no matter what you feel God's given you or hasn't given you, there is an oil flow from heaven. And the flow is designed to reach the most outer part. Every member of the body flooded with oil. So that when people in your community, when people who are hurting, when people who are broken, all they need to do is come into contact with you. And God can do something. Why? Because the oil flows. What's the key to oil flowing? Unity. Where there's unity, God commands what? Blessing. The oil stops the moment we separate. The moment we separate, the oil stops, the flow stops. So what's the key for us? 
we must fight for unity. We must fight to keep the orchestra together. We must fight for that. You know, there are some fights that we fight sometimes that we should just let go of. But there are some fights that we need to hang on to. And the fight to stay together, the fight for unity as God's church is powerful and it's a fight we need to fight for because when we fight for our unity, there will be a flow of oil, there will be a flow of God's blessing and there will be a sweet, sweet sound that emanates from the church. What is the church? The people. So there will be a sweet, sweet sound that emanates from you, from you. Dwell in unity. So how do you play the part? A couple of quick things. How do you and I play our part? I believe that there's a few commitments that we need to make. And these are just some things that God put on my heart. I just want to share three with you today real quickly. I believe some commitments that all of us need to make that will help us to play our part and help us to keep unity. And the first commitment we should be making is a commitment to the future and not to the past. A commitment to the future and not to the past. Isaiah 42.9 says, See that the former things have taken place, and what? New things I declare. I just want to say this for a moment. Sometimes when we hear this, and maybe some more older generations hear this, and they go, oh, yeah, so are they, that, are they discounting our generation? Are they just... Dis-? No. This is what I believe in what we do in our church. We honour our past. We honour what God's done in the future, but that must become a platform and a springboard to what God wants to do in the future. So by embracing the future, we're not discounting the past. What we're saying, though, is we are thankful for our past. We honor our past. But God, we don't want to stay there. We know that there are new things, and we want to be committed to those. And so if we are going to play our part, we must be committed to the future and not the past. So we must unite around where we're going. Don't unite around where we've been. When you drive your car, if you unite your, your vision around the rearview mirror, you are going to be in strife. I'm not going to ask you to do that on the drive home today, or else we will have carnage on the streets of Port Lincoln. But who knows that when you jump in your car to drive home today, you're going to unite your vision, what? Through the front windscreen. You're going to unite your vision around where you're going. But the rearview mirror is a great check and balance, because you look at that, you glance at that and it reminds you of where you've been. That's fantastic. We don't discount the past. We remember what God has done. We, we, we glance at that. But then we go, okay, God, what do you want to do now? And so we unite around where we're going, not where we've been. If we unite around where we've been, then all we're going to build is nostalgia. But I tell you, if we unite and commit to where we're going in unity... It will create a momentum that no one can stop. The second thing we need to, I believe, if we're going to play our part and if we're going to see unity in the body, is we need to unite around God's word and not around popular culture or popular opinions. See, Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law, what? Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what? Everything written in it, not some things. Not the things that I'm comfortable with. Not the things that I'm okay with, but I'll leave the ones that challenge me. No, I'll do everything that is written in it. And so, not uniting around opinions, right? Opinions will come and go, just like seasons and trends. They'll come and go, right? Opinions are shifting and moving. There's no stability. I don't know that 
the Bible teaches us to build on such things. It says, no, build on the rock. Build on something that is firm. Build on the word. Build on a firm foundation. But that means embracing those parts of scripture that might be uncomfortable to us, but they are still truth. We can't build on popular opinion. We build on God's word. And the third thing is contributors, not consumers. Commit to being a contributor, not a consumer. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Notice it doesn't just say pastors and leaders. It says brothers and sisters. To offer your what? Your bodies. Offer your life. Your body. Right? And remember, our body connected part of the body. Offer your bodies. What? As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Listen, this is your true and proper worship. What does that mean? It means that's what we're meant to be doing. It says in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? Free. But it says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. So in other words, don't use your freedom to do what you used to do, but rather, that word rather, better than, so here's a better thing to do, serve one another humbly in love. Do you know that there are some 60 or more one another's in Scripture? Do you know the greatest commandment of Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor? The greatest commandment. You see, that tells me, and all of Scripture shows me, that being a part of the body is a thing that I contribute to, not just receive from. All of the parts of my body contribute to make the body function. If all of them just wanted to be consumers, if all of these wanted to be like the stomach, we'd be in trouble. The stomach loves to consume, right? But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Anyway, I'm not even going to go down that path. Uh, but thank goodness there are other parts of the body that uh, are committed to giving back. And that's really what we need to commit around. If we are going to play our part in the body of Christ, we need to be committed to what we give back, to what we give out, to what we give up. Every single one of you here today have something to give. Every single one of you. I conclude my thoughts this morning. Matthew 16, 18 to 19. Peter has just recognized Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says to him, you're Peter. And on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Then he goes on and he says, but I will give you the keys. Who does he give the keys to? So I'll give you the keys. Of what? Of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, if I can just see everyone still, sorry. I know you're like creating end of service mood, but I just need to see everyone because I've got an illustration coming. Thanks. Whatever you bind on earth, oh, no, I want to see everyone. I know lights come down, that means that the Holy Spirit can come, but the Holy Spirit's already here, okay? He can come in the light, because he is the, anyway, um, he, he is the light. Uh, but whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's two, there's so much in this, but there's two things I really see to bring my thoughts together today. God builds his church, that's clear. So you know what? We don't need to strive and run around to build God's church. He says he'll build it. But then he says, I'm going to give you keys. And that's where we come in. He says, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And these keys that I'm going to give you, 
that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and, and vice versa, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. In other words, I'm going to give you keys that release heaven on earth. I'm going to give you keys that bring the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm into an earthly realm. So I'll build my church, but I need you to be a key carrier. I need you to be a key carrier. I need you to be someone who carries the keys. Now, here's a couple of things. And if I can have my plastic bag of joy. Thank you, Robert. You see, a couple of things about keys. Keys unlock things. I'm just giving you a lesson just in case you weren't sure. Keys unlock things. What do they do? They unlock doors. It's going to unlock your car in a moment. It's going to unlock the front door. It's going to unlock a padlock to your shed. Or a, a, it's going to unlock your post office box. It's, it's going to unlock things. It's going to unlock someone who's bound and restrained. It will help to release the bondage and the, and the, and the strain that they're under. And it's going to set them free. You know, free indeed, Jesus says. And I've got a key that will set you free. <laughs> but you know that the keys, as they're spoken about here, also represent authority. So we know that keys unlock, but we also know that to have a key is, is a symbol of authority. So when Jesus is saying, Peter, I'll give you keys, it's a symbol of authority. It's like Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to give you a key, and I am. And the moment you take the key, you have an authority to access some stuff. It's a bit like when my kids grow up, and they have, and my daughter and my son both now have a key to the house. They both have keys to the car. What am I giving them? I'm giving them an authority to come and go. I'm saying, you know what? Here's a key. It'll get you in the house. It'll allow you access to everything that is mine. You see in the picture here. Here's the keys to the car. That gives you access to go where that car will take you. You see, in the same way, Jesus says to Peter, I'll build the church, but I'm going to give you some keys. And I've shared with you today one of the most important keys, and it's unity, and it's connectedness, and it's togetherness. But beyond that, God is going to give you keys. Jesus says, I'll give you keys and it's going to unlock stuff. It's going to set people free. It's going to help people find destiny. It's going to help people find their future. And so keys unlock things, but they also represent authority. And here's the thing. In a spiritual sense, and Jesus is saying, we've been given keys as his church. We are given keys to the heavenly realm to unlock God's vast tool chest. Keys that will unlock God's future over people's lives. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, My thoughts are not yours. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher. Your ways and my thoughts, sorry, are higher than, I'm going to start that again. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the thing. God's thoughts and God's ways are higher and they're different. And he says, you know what? Let me build the church, but you stay connected. You stay in unity and I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys to unlock every promise, to unlock every chain that might be wrapped around people, to unlock every bondage, to unlock whatever it is that's holding you, whatever's restricting you. And that's not just for the church, but it's for a, a region and a location. Whatever is, is holding Port Lincoln captive, God says to his church, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys. So here's the thing this morning. God gives us authority and he says, I'm giving you keys. What's he saying? I'm giving you access to everything that is mine. I'm giving you access to everything that is mine. And you're going to see it released here 
on earth. You're going to see heaven released on earth. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done. Whose will? God's. So God's kingdom come, God's will be done. Where? On earth. So how do we see that happen? We need the keys. And you know what? Rob, would you come here? God's given you a key, Rob. He's given you and Pauline a key. All right? Church? Isn't that awesome? God's given them keys. But, but, his key's not enough. Sorry, Rob. Oh, that's great. God's given Rob and Pauline a key. Cool, the church. Yeah, awesome. No. You see, it's not just Pauline. Stay there. Jesus says, Jesus says, on you, Peter. But he looks across this room this morning and he says, upon you, upon you, upon you, I'm going to build the church and I'm going to give you. You see, the keys are not for the pastor. He's given us all keys. He's given every single one of you today a key. you a key he's given you a key I've got 95 of these so someone wants to help okay young people alright grab a key can you go around oh god I pray everyone gets if you don't get a key today don't feel like God doesn't love you alright he loves you hand the keys out go on get them out get them out everyone get a key get a key stay there Rob when, as you've got a key, can you come and stand down the front? When you've got your key, come and stand. Come and stand. Come and stand. Go and hand them out, Josh. Get those keys out. When you've got your key, come and stand. If we need to push chairs back, we push chairs back. Once you've got your key, you come and stand. Push that front row back, Josh. Everyone with the keys coming up. You can't take a key and stay where you are. Once you've got a key, you've got to move. God's given you a key. If you've got a key in your hand, down you come. Even including our friend who's on crutches, man, we'll carry... man. Some, some fellas, man, they drop, their, they, they drop their brother through a roof. We will get you here one way or the other. If someone needs to help our brother with the crutches, man, let's help him. Let's get him because he's, he's got a key. He's got a key. He's got a key. Let's pack out the front. Come on, let's... There doesn't need to be single file here. We're the body. We're connected. So uh, where, where did we get the idea that it's a single file? Let's just gather in. Let's Come on, let's, let's group it up. Come in, people. Come in. This is... Uh, This is a great way, Rob, to get a head count on Sundays. Mm. 95 keys. <laughs> come on, you've got a key, come forward. Those people out there, we need you in. We need you in the body. Come on, everyone, press up, press up. Chairs back. Come on, let's get chairs back because we've got, we got some people in the body and, man, they're like a toe that's about to fall off. They need to get in here. Mm. Body, body, body. 
Now, Rob, where's those other keys? I just need, I just need, see those keys on the Bible? I just need those. So. Hey, if we, have we run out of keys? Can, can someone lend a key? Has everyone got one? Has our brother, have you got a key, brother? Awesome. Everyone's got a key. Every, Jesus knows what he's doing. Do you know this is fact? Right. Rob, I know I had to be finished by now, but I've got the microphone. You don't mind, do you? This is powerful. Like, if we don't finish this right, it's like, oh, okay, we've got keys. Like, um, but you need to know something. Yesterday I went for a walk and Josh said it would take 15 minutes and 40 minutes later I finally arrived. He's like, oh yeah, it's just down the road. It was like over four kilometres, but it was awesome. While I'm walking, God, God showed me this illustration of the keys. And so I'm like, I'm in Port Lincoln. I don't know the area. Where am I going to get keys from? And how much are they going to cost me? Like far out. So I begin to pray and I say, God, I believe you've spoken to me so powerfully right now about these keys. I need keys. So I began to pray for Josh and I said, God, would you, Holy Spirit, right now, when I get to the car, I'm going to say to Josh, Josh, I need keys. Take me somewhere. I need to get keys. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to Josh? Would you give him, would you show him, Holy Spirit, the right place to get the keys? So I get in the car and he, this is truth, right, Josh? I said, Josh, I need keys. Where do we go? And he straight away, he goes, Bunnings. We go to Bunnings and I go to the lady behind the counter. I want I want about 100 keys. How much are they? She goes, $2.90. I'm like, oh. Like, I really love Port Lincoln Church, but wow, that's 300 bucks. Wow. Um, I'm like, oh, okay, what if I don't get them cut? Are they cheaper? And then this guy goes, hang on. And he says, um, what do you need them for? And I'm like, uh, I'm a preacher and, uh, you know, it's not going to make sense, but... Okay, well, we've got this box of keys here, and they're all the, they're all the keys that when we start to key cut, if we make a mistake, we, we put them in this box. He goes, so let me just ring the manager. He rings the manager, and he comes back. He says, you can have them. All these keys are yours. I go home, and I count the keys. There was 95 keys in there. And this morning, every single one of you got a key. I don't know about you, but that's small, but that's crazy to me. I, I didn't go and say, hey, can I have 90? I just went, man, you just give us what you've got. Every person today has got a key. I want you to remember this illustration. Next week, in a month, when you feel like you're not connected, when you feel like you're not a part of it, when you feel like, who am I? When you feel insecure, when you feel like, well, yeah, I know I'm a part of a church, but I don't. I want you to remember today that you have a key. And here's the thing. This church, One Heart Church, doesn't just need a key. It doesn't just need, it does need Robin Pauline's key. But it's, it, if it's going to reach its destiny, if this church is going to do all that it's called to do here, but also in its community, you need to understand that we need many keys. And every single one of you are holding a key. One Heart Church needs your key. The kingdom of heaven wants to be released over Port Lincoln, but it won't happen if we just have this. If this represents One Heart Church, it's awesome, but it's not enough, church. It's not enough for what God wants to do. And I believe today He's wanting to lift your vision. He's wanting to lift your expectation of, oh, well, we're here in Port Lincoln and, and we're a holiday destination for some people or people come and do this or this is what we're, whatever you are known for. But I want you to know today that you are part of God's plan. And he says, I am given every single one of you keys. And I believe what he's doing in the next season 
is he's bringing all those keys together and he's going to attach them to one key ring. Because you have keys just like this, but you don't hold those keys individually. You don't go through your pocket and pull out seven separate keys. What do you do? You connect your keys together because you know that every single one of those keys fits in a picture of your life and you need all of those keys. Well, I'm telling you right now in the spirit, I prophetically declare over this church that God is bringing together every single one of those keys. I want you to grab your key and hold it in the air. He's bringing every single one of these keys together in a supernatural key ring. And the key ring's called one heart. You're not just going to be one heart by name, but you're going to be one heart connected, unified by nature. Would you close your eyes? Lord, I pray over every single person here with a key. God, I pray in the name of Jesus and by your spirit that today you would do something beyond the natural of a piece of metal in our hands. But God, would this piece of metal in our hands become something spiritually significant to every single one of us about our part to play in the body of Christ, that you have called each one of us to be connected, to be a part of the orchestra, that if we don't play our part, the sound cannot be fulfilled. And God, I pray for each person, left or right, male, female, young, old, and everyone in between. God, I pray today, Lord, that the key that they hold, they would spiritually offer it and say, I want to come together in one heart. I don't want to hold my key to myself, but I want to bring my key together. And I want to see the key that you've given me, God, connected to every other key. And as that happens, God, we declare an outbreak over our city. We declare an outpouring of your spirit, excuse me, of your spirit over Port Lincoln and beyond in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, here's what I want you to do with your key. I want you to take it home. I want you to find a piece of string. I want you to find something. Maybe you've got a necklace, something. Do not allow this key to end up at the bottom of a drawer somewhere. I need you to take this key. I need you to hang it to something and put it somewhere prominent. Maybe it's next to your bed. Maybe it's over a door handle. Maybe off your fridge. I don't know, whatever. But take that key and have it in view because I'm praying and believing from this day forward that something is going to shift over the heartbeat of this church that there is going to be a sound like you've never heard before I can sense it but you know what if you forget that your keys are part of it then the sound will not be as sweet as what God's called it to be amen so go and do some, keep that key. Some of you, I can see some of you, you're going to put it on your necklace and you're going to wear it around your neck. And people are going to think you're a bit odd. But you know what? You're like, no, 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 I've got a key. God's given me a key. And I'm going to play my part in unlocking destiny. I'm going to play my part in seeing lives unlocked. Amen? In Jesus' name. I really believe this. I'm going to hand back. Stay where you are though. Because Rob will work out how to finish this. But in prayer, I really really believe that God gave me this illustration for this purpose. I, I, I sense a new season of togetherness for one heart. I really do. God gave you a name, just like he gave our church, Hope Church. But what I've found is God gives you a prophetic declaration and then you grow into it. He gave you the name One Heart, but I see that you've been growing into it, but I see a new season of that. I see a new season of that. And so get ready for what God wants to do. 
All right? I pray today that this moment never ever leaves you because this moment can either be powerful or it can just be a memory. I pray it's powerful for your church and powerful for your life in Jesus' name. Amen. No one wants to leave. Everyone's staying right where they are. Why don't you take your seats, find your way back. And you know, I know what I'm going to do with this key. I want to try every car in the